I'm a large alcoholic. Can you guys all hear me? Because that's a problem I have. I'm normally very loud and boisterous, but when I get up here, sometimes I start to get really quiet. So if that's a problem, just let me know. Um, okay, raise it up. See, thank you. Love the feedback. I have a professional here. Is that better? Yes. Okay, awesome. We're on the right track. Um, I'd first like to thank everyone. Um, a lot of work goes into putting on these things, um, and it's and many hands make light work. On uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I think we really get a um, we get the opportunity to participate in that in a really unique way if we avail ourselves to that. And so I am eternally grateful for the people who have spent many hours doing this. For the, um, my host, who I'm really excited about. We're going to be BFFs. She just doesn't know it by the end of the weekend. And um, Murr for organizing and emailing and answering all my questions. Um, you guys have been awesome. And I'm excited to be here with you tonight. Okay. I'll have my technical guru work on that. about that? No. Okay. Maybe if you can't hear me, we could get closer, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll try to be really loud. Um, my home group is in Ashland. That's where I'm from. Um, it's a basic text big book study. It meets at 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings, and um, I have a lot of really good friends here, which I appreciate. Um, there's nothing like a home group. Um, and as, you know, I think this will become apparent as I tell my story, but I'm one of those people who is very resistant to the um, path presented of the solution. I just don't want it. It's not interesting to me. It's not exciting. It's not fun. We're not having anything wild and crazy explode. Um, and I love how it was talked about. There are no rules here. But at the same time, if I want what's offered here, then there are certain things that I have to surrender to. And for me, those have been sponsorship a strong home group where I get to participate in unity and learn what that's all about because I don't like people. Um, <laughs> um, taking the steps, which I don't understand and um, I really want nothing to do with when I get here. Um, I am not someone who came to Alcoholics Anonymous and immediately felt at home. Um, I didn't. I didn't want you touching me. I didn't like all the hugs. I didn't like all the women's phone numbers. Um, I have just always um, been a lone wolf, and I have prided myself on that. I used to think it was because I was an only child, um, but I have met many lone wolves in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, you guys come from all kinds of backgrounds. So my job today is to tell you a little bit about my journey here, how I got here, um, what's happened to me since I've been here, and um, what, what my life looks like today. I look pretty different than when I walked in the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. I always forget to talk about this, but um, I had a, almost a shaved head. I had many piercings because I like piercings. And I would have been covered head to toe in tattoos, um, but you can't steal tattoos. And I'm pretty um, indecisive when it comes to making decisions. So it seemed like a pretty permanent thing. But I admire all those who have them and have uh, making the commitment. I just love that. I loved anything outside the norm. Um, I grew up in Ashland, um, and it was super small back then. Um, really small town. It's, I mean, it's probably 
I don't know, quadrupled in size since when I was growing up. I think we had one stoplight. Um, I'm an only child. I'm one of grandchildren on one side, and then I'm one of three on the other side. And I had a lot of focused attention on me, which I didn't like. Um, I felt pretty, um, to me, it felt suffocating. Um, It felt like I, um, I didn't really know who I was growing up, but I didn't want you telling me who you thought I should be or adhering to certain, um, you know, society standards or church standards or school standards or all kinds of stuff. I just really struggled with that, and I struggled with finding my place, Um, which, you know, come to AA, and I mean, I hear, I heard that everywhere, Um, and eventually it started to work on me that maybe I'm not so alone, and maybe there is a solution here for me, but that took a while. So... Growing up, like I said, it was I like to run under the radar. I don't like a lot of attention. Um, I, you know, I was never very good at things um, because I wasn't willing to put in the work. Um, I struggled with um, just my um, how people viewed me and um, this idea that I had to be a good girl, but that I was really, really, really restless. I was always looking for something else. And I never could figure out what that was. Um, I would look at you, and I thought because you were petite and short and blonde and athletic and smart and witty and, um, you know, super intelligent or gifted in art. Or I spent most of my life comparing myself to other people and um, not being okay with who I was. And um, I grew up, this is not the truth, but my perception growing up was so off. I thought my mom wanted a different child. I thought she was dissatisfied with this, like, super tall, clunky, awkward. Um, I loved hot pink zipper pants and Michael Jackson and, you know, T-shirts. You know, I hung out in the woods, and I liked to, you know, climb in old barns and get dirty. And and my mom is really... um, she likes dainty, pretty teacups, which I'm like, you only get two sips of coffee. We need to move on to something bigger. Um, and so I just, I felt really restless, and I've always felt that way. My family, they're not big drinkers. Um, in fact, I come from um, a long line of um, Baptist women and alcoholic uncles that I don't know about. Um, I rarely see, or if I do, they're very quietly sitting over in the corner. Um, and I didn't really understand um, what alcoholism was or how it affects a family um, because that just wasn't a part of my everyday life because my parents weren't big drinkers. It's very exciting over there. Um, So I didn't discover alcohol until I was about 17. I went to my junior prom, And um, I was super excited about that because I was not going to the after prom party. I was going to the party where all the cool kids were going to be. And it was at this guy's house, and he had a pool, and he had, you know, strawberry daiquiris, and he had, um, I mean, I just thought I had arrived. I love when Bill talks about that in his story. All the places in life where we come to and we feel like this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. And as I journey... Each time I think I have arrived, like by society standards, it's like, you know, getting lower and lower and lower and lower. Um, But I don't see that. Um, 
I hate the man. I hate paying taxes. I hate working nine to five. Um, None of that stuff was appealing to me. Um, But I lived in a really traditional family, and all those things were demonstrated for me and expected of me, too. Um, My college was paid for, um, so it was just kind of expected that I would go do that. Um, And I didn't really even question whether I wanted to do that. All right. So if you missed the first ten minutes, talk to me later. Um, So I discovered drinking at this party. Um, They were foo-foo drinks. They were fantastic. Um, The hot guy that was hosting this party sat on my lap and gave me a kiss. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of experience with boys, um, mostly in my imagination. And, um, and I thought that this meant he wanted to be, like, my soulmate, you know, boyfriend. I think he was just having a good time. Um, and so was I. I mean, it was everything I had imagined it would be. And, it, and I, I definitely wouldn't have put words on it back then like this, but it's what I seek today. It's oneness. It's here. Right here, right now, with you. I'd never really experienced that before. And that's what I got that night. Um, And so because I'm a good girl and my parents go to church and my grandfather's a minister and um, I like to live two different lives, um, I was a good girl at home. And then I went to Rockville, which is about 30 minutes away from me, where a lot of my high school friends um, went. And we partied there on the weekends because I was friends with people's parents who... I don't know what they were doing, but they weren't bothering us, which was fantastic. <laughs> and so from, you know, the get-go, I was, um, I like to drink hard and fast and heavy. I love the effect produced by alcohol. I'm a big puker. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's obnoxious how much I throw up. Um, you know, I'm the one who, I mean, even in high school, like, I'm dry heaving all night and still throwing up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and... People are annoyed with me because they can't sleep, things like that. I'm very familiar with bathroom floors and hugging porcelain potties and um, all that stuff. And none of that stuff bothered me. I just thought it is a small price to pay for what alcohol does for me. And, um, and so I moved right into, I went to Virginia Tech for a stint um, for about three years. And, um, and I went in there um, pre-med because I um, saw those little babies on TV that were in Africa, and I wanted to go be a doctor over there and help people. Um, I'm a huge advocate of the underdog. I like to fight like that. And I thought, I'm going to go over there and save the world. And being a biochemistry major and, um, and, and starting to get some freedom around my drinking didn't really go well together. Um, Because I really tried really hard to be the weekend drinker, um, but what happened over those three years was it just started to progress. And it looked so natural and normal, because in college, everyone goes out on Thursday nights. And then there's a huge group of us that go out on Wednesday nights. And then there's the Tuesday and Monday people, and then we drink on Sunday afternoon to get ready for the week. And, you know, and then, of course, there's always Friday and Saturday. And my life just started to slowly build itself around alcohol. Um, And my friends did, too. Um, Like, I started to shift away from people who didn't drink like I did. Um, I discovered a lot of other things in college, which I liked, too. Um, They did things that changed me and made me feel good, and I loved that stuff. Um, And that was really important for me because when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was very confused what I was. 
I didn't know whether I was an alcoholic, a drug addict, um, bipolar two. Um, I had been I had been multi-diagnosed, thanks to some very fine institutions, and um, and it took me a while to weed out what I was here. Um, and that's one of the things I'm eternally grateful for is that someone sat down and took the time when I was ready because I wasn't ready for a long time. Um, to weed through that stuff with me one-on-one. Like, what is alcoholism? What is the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body? Um, can you be 22 and be an alcoholic? Because in my mind, you couldn't. Could you be an alcoholic if you didn't live under a bridge and drink out of a brown paper bag? Like, I had all these preconceived ideas of what alcoholism was and wasn't. Um, but back in college, I'm just rocking and rolling, and I'm doing whatever seems like a good time. Um, and so that involves the normal things that we do. Like, I start to build my life around drinking. So friends, classes, majors. I mean, I don't even know. I switched my major like five times. Um, all my classes needed to be in the afternoon. Um, all the people that I hung around with partied really hard. Um, and I don't know whether they're alcoholic or not. It doesn't really matter. But um, it was... Um, it was easy for me to find the people that I wanted to hang with. Um, and even in the end, though, it was interesting to me how that crowd got smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and my behavior became um, more and more unacceptable, um, even to me. And that's a pretty low standard because I don't have any problem breaking your rules, what you think I should do or shouldn't do, whether you think I shouldn't steal this or should do that. Um, But when I started to live a life that didn't even make sense to me, um, what I do is I cut and run because I like to run. I like to change up things. A new man, new job, new school, go home to live with mommy and daddy. Um, And that's what I did. After three years, I went home to live with mommy and daddy. Um, I had dropped out of school. And um, I was just really grossed out by the way I was living, and I blamed it on certain people I was hanging out with. Um, and I decided to I had to change a profession. I've always been in the um, waitressing business. I like slinging hash, I call it. Um, you know, where you get to know everybody in their order and the same people come in every day. I love stuff like that. I still love that stuff. Um, and I got into the, um, what was it called? It was like a secretary, but they had a fancier name for it. And I thought it suits me quite well. I was, uh, I think I was 21 at the time, and it was for a brewery. So it seemed, I saw no, you know, that that would be a problem at all. Um, and, you know, the guy was going to train me, and I was going to learn accounting. And, you know, I mean, there were the opportunities to grow and make more money and do something different. And, um, and it all sounded like a really good idea. And, um, and I was going to pay my bills, and I was going to go home and have dinner with my parents and I was going to be responsible, and I was going to do something different. And, um, and they give you one free shift beer, and um, I like free beer, so there's no reason to pass that up. And, um, and that's where I started to have the experience with um, what does it look like when I have one drink. And, um, and I did that for a little while. I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't know whether it was a week or two weeks or something like that. But it, it wasn't long. <laughs> But I did a couple times have one beer and go home and have dinner with my mom and dad and walk my dog and, you know, do all those things people do. Um, And then I met the guys that um, made the beer and hung out and partied, and and I started hanging with them. 
and one beer turns into a blackout for me. Um, a lot of times, I'm a big blackout drinker. Um, it's like throwing up. You just have to learn to compensate for these things um, and roll with it. And um, so I hung out with them for a while, um, and I would do things like call my parents at like 4 a.m. to tell them I'm not coming home because I was so worried that because like, I'm an only child. So any of you only children out there, your parents will probably call the police if you don't come home at 4 a.m. Of course, I don't know. They might do that for other children, too. Um, but I was really paranoid about that. I was really trying hard to like keep it together, and I wanted to be responsible. Um, but it just quickly fell to the wayside. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm throwing up at work, and I'm sick, and I can't go in, and I'm, you know, I'm driving in blackouts in the city of Richmond. And driving in blackouts in Blacksburg isn't a great idea, but it's a lot different than driving down Broad Street. And, um, and that stuff just started to catch up with me even faster. So, because I don't like to work a whole lot, um, I cast my last paycheck and quit that job. Um, because when things start to catch up with me, I like to, to bail and run before they actually, you know, nip me in the butt, basically. Before I get fired, or you leave me, or you tell me my um, behavior is inappropriate or not professional. And... Um, so by this time, too, I had found these really cool guys, and they were they worked construction work, and they were on a sabbatical. And, um, <laughs> and since I, too, like sabbaticals, um, I started hanging out with them. Um, and this was the type of place where, you know, I mean, day moves into night, moves into day, moves into night, and it's just all a blur. Eating's not a real high priority. Broken glass and blood can stay on the floor for a really long time. Nobody really seems to care. Um, you know, I don't know. We didn't shower very often. I don't know if I ever took a shower there. But I just moved in because that's what I do. I mean, they tolerated a couch surfer, and so I moved in. And then um, this guy came back. Um, he had been gone for a week or two or something. I don't know. And he was a roommate, and he had a bedroom. So I quickly upgraded myself to the bedroom. Um, and I really thought I had arrived with this guy because I thought he was a drug dealer. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> but he wasn't, he wasn't as uh, lucrative as I thought he was. <laughs> but he, um, he loved widespread panic. And I, too, became a quick fan. Um, and we came up with this great plan to go on um, spring tour with them. And... Um, and, you know, the funny thing is, is this guy is not a drinker. Um, I don't know how he tolerated me for as long as he did, but he would drink, like, one Corona, and that would be the end of it. Um, and I would not. I mean, I'm, I'm, by this time, I'm, I'm drinking every day. I'm regularly in a blackout. I'm, um, you know, I'm just all over the place. And so we pack up in his car with my dog and... Um, and go off, you know, we went to Atlanta, we went all over the place, and um, we'd camp out sometimes, we'd sleep in the back of his car, sometimes he'd have friends we'd crash with, we'd go to shows, and um, I loved the festival life, I mean, I just loved it, you know that, like, you're in a bar, and everyone loves each other after a little bit, and we're all, like, we were talking about this on the way up here, and we're hugging, and, you know, your best friends, I mean, it was like that, except we were all floating around all the time, and, and I adapted to the hippie way of life very easily. Um, 
and we had um, some some business adventures that we went on on our little excursion, and um, and they didn't work out too well. Um, and he didn't want to have much to do with me after we'd been together a couple of months, probably. I forget how long the tour lasted exactly. It doesn't really matter, but um, but I would do things like get thirsty. So Nesta, my dog, would run away in some parking lot in some strange town, and he would go after him because he's responsible. And I would think it seems like a good idea to go down the street and check out the bar, and I would find some guy who wanted to buy me drinks, and I would, and then he'd have to then come find me, um, which was always a buzzkill. Um, <laughs> but he did. God bless him. Um, and so at the last show we were at, um, it was really evident that he didn't want anything more to do with me. Um, and I don't blame him. And I was really confused, as usual, about, you know, what's my next place? Where am I going to go? Am I going to go back to Blacksburg? What am I going to do? And I meet this guy there, and um, I didn't go into the show that night for some reason. We sold my ticket. Um, and we had been hanging out with this guy, and he had a, um, I think his son was two or three. And... Um, we, you know, we're, we're having these very philosophical conversations in this car and smoking things and, you know, and I'm just pouring my heart out about how, you know, I'm so lost and woe is me. And, um, and he says to me, um, he says to me something to, to the essence of, um, you know, he has a relationship with a God of his understanding. And it sounds like that's what I need. And, um, and that was very interesting to me because um, even though I had walked away from how I was raised a long time ago, I was always really into like um, like the, the, this emptiness might be filled by connecting to something bigger than me. And so I would read these books about tree energy and levitation and all my Blacksburg years. I mean, I had all kinds of friends who believed in all kinds of different things. But I had never heard someone come out and say that, that you can live the life that we were living and be connected to God. And not only that, but God kind of favors you and, like, makes the road very smooth for people like us. And that he, um, I remember I said to him, I was like, do you believe in Jesus? And he said, I believe that he was a great prophet, just like me. And <laughs> no red flags were raised in me. <laughs> None at all. I was like, sweet. Because, you know, I'm moving in on this guy. He's got a beautiful two-year-old son. We're having fun playing in the dirt. You know, we color on each other with markers. I mean, we just have a great time. And, um, and I'm going to be the prophet's girlfriend, and we're going to go live in hippie land. It's, um, you know, it's going to be one big festival all the time, and we're going to homeschool this little boy. And only do certain recreational things and drinking on the weekdays when I'm homeschooling and raising a garden and canning things. And, you know, I, don't, I mean, I still love all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it was this delusionary life that I was creating with him. Um, and I was all about it. And, um, and this, these are a group of people that run underground. Um, they run by different names. They don't pay taxes, which I love. They don't have jobs, um, the traditional sense anyway. Um, and so I really thought that, um, I just really thought this is where I was supposed to be. And they believe in God, and that's pretty cool. So um, I did all this rigmarole and, and 
weeks later connected up with him in Blacksburg. And, um, and you know, I don't even know. The next two weeks are kind of like one big, blurry blackout. Um, but I did connect with him, and he had some other friends, and they lived out of their van. So you can see how, like, I think I've arrived living in a van, and most people would not think that was, like, the American dream. <clears throat> but I did. So we're traveling around. We're going to festivals. Um, they run things. Um, they're considered by the U.S. government to be a cult. Um, I did not know that, and I would not have cared because, you know, people like us are always misunderstood and labeled incorrectly. So, um, but I, um, I have a very active, highly intellectual mind. My uh, sponsor today calls me one of the great Northeastern thinkers. And um, so I took all this information that he was giving me about, um, like, everything has a meaning and, like, we always stop at the 420 exits and how we can run underground and how once he put water in his gas tank and it was just fine because, you know, we're the blessed chosen people of the underground alcohol drug world. And, um, I mean, he didn't put it like that, but that was basically what he was saying to me. And, um, and I, um, I needed to keep it together, and I wasn't doing that very well. Um, I was not sleeping very much. I thought that I had to be awake when he was asleep for some odd reason. Um, I thought that if I didn't figure it out and always stay up, that, um, that he was going to leave me. Um, and so my mind went into overdrive. Um, and I wasn't eating a lot. I wasn't sleeping a lot. Um, I mean, we weren't drinking every day or anything just because it wasn't available to us. This is when we had the great idea of shaving my head in Asheville. So you know we're near the end. Um, <clears throat> so we rented some clippers from Walmart and did that one night. And, um, and I used to have these, like, 10-gauge hoops hanging out of my nose and <clears throat> multiple piercings, I mean, all the way up, tongue piercing, all kinds of fun stuff. And... Um, so one day, when he goes to um, Philly, we're in Pennsylvania, and he's going to Philly to get some stuff to take to the next festival, I go out on my own because he, I don't know what he said to me, but what I basically thought was I needed to figure out all the clues and put them together before he came back, and then, um, and then we would be okay. I would get to keep living this life with him and go on to you know, the magical wonderland of where we were going. And um, so me figuring out clues manifested itself in a breaking and entering charge from the police. And um, I got thrown in Pennsylvania's finest. Um, now, at the time, I had a black eye, too. I was probably, I don't know, this number keeps going up, 40 pounds less than what I weigh now. Um, I look like, when my parents came to get me, they said I look like I came out of a, a concentration camp. Um, I did not look good, but I thought I was rocking it. And... Um, and I believed that the jail, they're really big into Star Wars, too. So I believed that the jail was a place where the end of the world was happening and all the people that were going to be saved were going to the jail. But actually, I was, like, on the suicide ward in solitary confinement. And, um, and I remember my dad asking me if I knew that one night when he was talking to me and I make my little collect calls. And I'm like, sure I do. But I didn't, you know, I didn't know that. Um, I'm too busy deciphering the Bible verses written on my um, mattress, you know, to figure out where the next places were going to go. 
Um, and I don't take well to being confined against my will. So when they said I was going to be out in three days, and I wasn't, I threw a huge temper, temper tantrum at the jail. I took all of my belongings, I mean all of them, and shoved them under the cell door, like my mattress, my soap, my clothes, my toilet paper, I mean everything, my sheets. And um, in jail, they don't really care if you get those things <laughs> They did bring me a nice um, paper napkin to wear, and some um, psychiatric people came to assess my stability as I'm, I mean, losing my ever-living mind, because I'm not out, and you need to let me out, and you know, yada, 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 yada. Um, they did give me back my wool blanket, but that was it. No clothes, no soap, no toilet paper, nothing. Um, and then my parents came to bail me out. My parents put up, I think, $20,000 cash to get me out. Because by this time, they know I'm running with people who run underground and away and don't use their real names. And um, But what they didn't know was that I had burned that bridge, that those people don't want anything to do with me. I mean, when the cult rejects you, there's something wrong. <laughs> I even picked out my name. I was going to be Indigo. I let the blue and purple together. Um, so I go home with mommy and daddy. I'm pretty defeated. Um, I am in the middle of um, what one very well-meaning therapist called um, um, nervous breakdown. Um, my friend thinks I was dosed with peyote and was tripping for like two months. I don't know what happened to me. But I was not in touch with reality. Um, I would add license plates thinking I needed to add them together to find the next place. I would... Um, you know, I got this little bag of stuff back from Star. That was his name. And um, it had a, um, a cassette tape dating myself. And, man, I mean, I wore that out. And it was from a specific movie. And I must have watched the movie 50 times trying to figure out what he was trying to tell me. Um, I didn't have any friends um, except my little dog, who was not really a little dog. He was a big lab. Um, and I was extremely depressed, like on the floor depression, um, because I have nothing left. And um, a couple of things I've always really prided myself on are my ability to get and do anything, my freedom. Like I can manipulate or get a little cash together and move here or find a new boyfriend or whatever, borrow a car. Um, and I was out on, um, what do they call it, I guess parole or whatever. I was bonded out. So, um, and because of my bad behavior, I had um, been awarded to the state of Virginia because I, it's a long interwoven story of bad behavior and psychiatric visits and um, all that stuff. Um, so I lost my freedom in that process, and then I was crazy as a loon, and so I couldn't even get behind the wheel of a car without following it to some unknown destination. So... All this time is a really dark period. Um, I have a lot of hoops to jump through because of the, um, the uh, charges of felony breaking and entering and the um, multiple trips to Tucker's. And I was just incredibly um, disrespectful there to all the well-meaning nurses and doctors. And, um, and I was so bad that they told me if I came back again that they were going to have to build me my own special wing because um, <laughs> I was just such a fighter. I've been in... Um, most places, in the, in the chemical dependency unit, I've been in the psychiatric, I've been in, you know, you reach your own special room and they lock the door. I've been over there too. Um, 
And I had to be, um, they first sent me to um, an outpatient recovery program. And I told them after one night, I refused to go there because I said, these are people I've dated. I'm not going to listen to them tell their fifth step or these horrible things they've done to people like me. And I refused to go back. And so they allowed me to go to um, one-on-one therapy. And so I went, um, I think it was three days a week. Um, And my mommy took me there, because I'm 22 now. And so my mommy takes me to therapy three days a week and brings me home. And I do nothing in between, except decipher codes from a um, a movie and a tape. And, you know, I throw some other things in there, too. Um, And eventually I started to... um, walk back, recover, whatever you want to call it. And and I'll tell you, this guy who started seeing me, he um, was a Christian. If I had known that, I would not have gone. But I didn't know that. But the most important thing out of that was that he believed in a spiritual way of life. And what he did was he gave my parents hope, and he did not push me. Um, He let me find my pace with getting better. Um, And that's an incredible gift. I think that's one that Alcoholics Anonymous does very well. We try to meet people where they're at and help them to find their way here. Um, So he told me, because by the time I landed in his lap, you know, I've been diagnosed with all those things. And and he gave me his, um, his expert opinion was the nervous breakdown, was the no drinking, no drugs for a year, give my body, my brain a chance to heal. Um... And I was like, okay, not a problem. Um, And what he told my parents was that she can get better if she's willing to believe in something bigger than herself. Because the last time I was at Tucker's, they were told that they needed to prepare themselves for the worst. That within six months I would be dead or permanently institutionalized or I would be prostituting myself on the street. I didn't know that until I was a couple years sober. Um, Which was really hard for my parents to hear. I can't even imagine. Um, I've got two kids today. Um... So I went to him, and I, he introduced me um, to things and ideas um, that were completely foreign to me, like not driving to Blacksburg to meet a guy for the weekend that I didn't have any business meeting or being with. It's like, what? I mean, I always go where I feel better for a little while. Um, he introduced me to spiritual thinkers and writers, um, and I fell in love with Thomas Merton. And for a long time, I was convinced I needed to be a monk. <laughs> I did not want to be a nun. I wanted to be a monk. And, um, and to this day, I love monks. A little small obsession with them. Um, and, and I started to get better slowly. And, um, and I started to have an experience with what it looked like to not drink and put some time together. And it was not pretty. Um, life did not make a whole lot of sense, and, um, and I struggled, and I was angry, and it seemed so unfair that everyone else could drink, and I couldn't, and I hate all those people, but I wouldn't tell them that because I'd act like I was all cool. So when I went out with people that I used to hang with, I would not drink for, like, five hours. And then after I left them, it would be, like, game on. Um, and I would do something ridiculous and embarrassing and humiliating again, and I would black out, and... Um, It was just the same cycle. And then I'd be shamed into another stint of not drinking. And then it would happen again. 
And I remembered, because in um, Tucker's, um, people from AA come in there, and they um, share their experience. And I remember people talking about not drinking. So that's why I came to AA, because I need to not drink for a year, and then I'm going to graduate. And, um, and I called this lady, and she said, um, you better get yourself to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, or you're going to die. And I was like, uh, who does she think she is? But I used some other colorful language. And I called this other lady, and um, I didn't leave my number. I was back before caller ID and everything. And um, and years later, I met her in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and she has some great stories about my crazy self when I got in here. So I came in on um, I came in in March, um, and I later adjusted my sobriety date to May 23rd of 2000 because I took a little uh, shotgun of. Uh, marijuana, which I did not consider a relapse for a very long time because it did not affect me. <clears throat> but later, <laughs> later, when I had spent nine months in Alcoholics Anonymous, going to meetings, hanging with the boys, being temporarily sponsored, only because you people are so annoying, you would say things like, do you have a sponsor yet? Because I was sharing my like worldly knowledge with you guys, <laughs> these golden nuggets I had picked up from hanging out in AA. And so I got a temporary sponsor. And I attempted some steps with her, but what I experienced was no um, spiritual change. Nothing. Because I'll tell you, I didn't have the first step. I didn't believe I was an alcoholic. I still thought I was going to graduate. I still thought that I was a problematic drinker, that as soon as I got my life straight, that it would be better. Um, And what happened was um, I had the experience of, why do I live a disgusting life? not drinking why does an AA work like I'm doing AA if I am really an alcoholic then I should be changed I should be different Um, but my stuff showed up in my relationships it showed up in my relationships with men especially I was doing things I did not want to be doing and I didn't know why I was hanging out with people I did not want to be hanging out with and I didn't know why Um, and my relationship with my parents I mean I just could not pull off being nice consistently it was very challenging because I lived with them. And, um, and they had jumped through a lot of hoops through me. Um, they stood by me when, you know, no one else was. Um, and I got to this point where I was like, hey, it doesn't work. What's wrong with me? Yada, yada, yada. And I went to a new meeting with this, this guy. I used to take this guy Fritz around all the time. He's a great guy. So sweet and kind and loving. And um, he said, come with me to my home group. And it was a Friday night meeting. And, um, and I had the experience that I've had in a lot of other meetings. Um, women came up to me. They gave me their number. They invited me out. I didn't like that. Um, but And then one woman who I really didn't like because she was all polished. Like, I'm still, like, I can't decide how hippie I am at this point. Should I shave my legs or not shave my legs? I'm not quite sure. So, and she's manicured and blonde and beautiful and, and, you know, she was so threatening to me because I think she knew who she was and I had no clue who I was. Um, And she invited me to a women's big book study weekend, which is like, oh my God, I slit my throat. Um, But I went, you know, I mean, and that's been my journey here in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's like a little bit of light and I move towards the light. A little bit of light, and I move towards the light. I mean, that's the thing we offer here is hope. Like, real change for people who cannot change themselves, no matter what the consequences may be. Because I've had a lot of them. 
and being locked up in a mental institution with the doctor threatening to throw away the key because I can't behave better is reason enough for me to change. And I was unwilling to do it. So I met this woman. I went to the, um, the Big Book Weekend. Um, I had a really nice time. I met women from all walks of sobriety, brand new. They've been there, you know, years and years and years. And it was supposed to be all 12 steps, but we only focused on the first step that weekend. And a lot of things got broken open for me. Um, I started to understand what the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body, like what happens to me when I put alcohol in my body. And I'm always like, I don't know. I mean, that's when it all starts, right? Game on. And that's alcoholism. Um, I didn't know. Um, and that just because I could stop didn't make me non-alcoholic. Um, so I journeyed with her for a really long time. I stayed with that woman for 11 years, and I thought, um, I mean, the sun and moon rose around her. I am eternally grateful. I mean, when you meet people that, that walk through your junk with you, that come in the dark and say, and hang out with you, right? She wasn't, like, pushing me. She said, I'm going to hang out with you. She didn't say that exactly, but you know what I'm saying. That's what she did and helped me move towards a solution and a life that's been, um, I mean, it's, been, it's one I wouldn't want. Because I am home, and I clean my toilets, and I pay my bills, and um, I got my education here, and I got to know what it looks like to work a 9-to-5 job, and, like, they pay you for that when you actually show up and do what you're supposed to do. Um, I got to learn um, what it looks like to have integrity and be a woman who, when she says she's going to show up and do something, she does it. Um, and if she can't do it, then she calls and tells someone. It's not like a mystery where Laura went. <laughs> um, I met this man here. Um, ironic. I mean, that's a whole story in and of itself. Um, and it was early in sobriety. And one would have not thought it was a good idea. Um, but what happened with that is I was, again, um, given the room to figure out who I was. Um, I really have grown up here in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I have learned so much. Um, the steps transform my life. Um, all the wrestling and fighting I have done with God, I have learned is okay. The restlessness that I sometimes experience is Okay. Um, the fact that I don't have God all figured out is okay. Um, and that has taken me a really, really, really long time. Um, I wanted to understand and master spirituality and spiritual growth. And um, those showed up with like things like when I would write inventories, if it wasn't instantaneously removed, then I would move right into another inventory. And I would dictionary all the words that I thought maybe I missed and I would rewrite all the fears. And I did that for a really long time. Um, it didn't get me drunk, but it made me a little nutty. Um, but what I learned is that it's okay. Like, the gaps are okay. Like, let God fill that stuff in. It's okay to work with a new woman and not know what the heck to do. I mean, the hard part's over, right? I mean, I'm sober. I'm in the light. All I have to do is move forward and share my experience and be of service. And I didn't want to do that. I mean, I'll tell you, when I first took the, the 12 steps and I woke up, um, I had a boyfriend. I was back in school. I didn't have time for those crazy you-know-whats that were, you know, two days sober and acting like a fool. And, um, 
And I did it anyway. Because what I had done was I had started to believe what you guys talked about here. That this is a way of life where we give to others and we find ourselves. And that has 100% been my experience. I have not found myself and then given to others. It may work that way for other people, but that is not how it has worked for me. I have had to learn how to love you guys. So I get some space between me and my head. And then God comes in and does a lot of rearranging. And that continues to be my journey here. Um, I've been through a lot of stuff in sobriety, um, and I'll share some of this stuff quickly. Um, I have, um, you know, I got married to that guy, and we are still married today. Testimony right there. I live next door to my parents, and um, and um, and like I, I mentioned, all the school stuff, which has been really great, but there's been a really lot of really hard stuff. We struggled with five years of infertility. We lost a baby. We have um, been through some hard stuff. Um, I have lost friends here. I have lost my grandmother. Um, I have lost really good friends who said that they were just going to take a little break and come back in later when they were ready. And, um, and we buried those people. Um, and that is heartbreaking. Um, but the thing about that that's been really cool for me is that I know what it's like to show up and not run away. Um, and I didn't know how to do that before. And I didn't know how to still care about you when it felt like my life was falling apart. Um, and that has saved me time and time and time again. And um, I have a, a different sponsor today, and I, um, and I have learned um, a lot of new things. Um, and one of them is just to lighten up. Um, and to open up, um, like, my journey with God. And so I do a lot of different things. I go to, I visit different churches. I read different things. I, I've been to sweat lodges. I, you know, I still commune with God and, you know, the trees and all that good stuff. I mean, all that stuff's really powerful to me. Um, I've got to know what it looks like to be a mom. Um, that was something that terrified me. I'm not real cuddly. Um, but A has smoothed out the edges, and, um, and that relationship is like none other. I didn't know that that existed before I had kids, even though I wasn't alcoholic before I'd be alcoholic after I had them, because they don't listen. Um, <laughs> but it's been really cool. And, I, and I'll, I'll say this one last thing, is that everything I do here has, um, has just, it multiplies out. So it makes me a better wife, and becoming a better wife makes me a better member of Alcoholics Anonymous made me a better mom, and becoming a better mom has made me a better member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I fold all that stuff in and stay here with you guys, it just makes for a really, I mean, it's a wild ride. I'm like, what are you going to throw at me next, you know? So I'm excited to spend the weekend with you guys. I'm excited that I'm done, and um, (laughs) thank you very much.